I'm Kendall. And I'm Bree. And this is the 20th episode of When the Light Goes Out. It's our 20th episode. Fuck yeah, we've been fucking it up so far. I'm so proud Woo! of us. Shout out to Kendall for fucking it up. together every week. Oh my god. It's it's a lot, but it's cool. Again, we do this all for you, and we love you guys so, so much. So I it's definitely great. just hit the mic. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're fine. Oh yeah, we got new mics. So, not new mics. We both have matching mics now. So... We're getting even better on you guys. We're fucking it up on this bitch. And we also uh, have a goddamn TikTok. TikTok. Go on to... Welcome to the 21st century. <laughs> <No. laughs> took us long enough. Um, yeah, so you can go on to WTLGO Podcast. Yeah, that's us, right? Yeah. That is us. That is us. And you can find us on TikTok. at us, please. We'll be doing cute little... Little clippets and stuff like that throughout the next who knows how long. So that'll be fun. Um, we are currently also filming from my phone because I am a dumbass and I forgot the SD cards for the GoPros at You're home. Not a dumbass. Shut up. Thank you. I, <laughs> I'm actually very smart. <laughs> I went to college. He did. He graduated. Hey, college hey. kid. Most of these clips are gonna involve me being in. Various blankets. Okay, but y'all, if you go back to last week's episode, and Simon, you might want to, like, turn on the volume on this. Her titties are looking good. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, oh my god. I I was like, I was like editing them. I'm like, damn, bitch. (laughs) I grew them myself. Thank you. Um, It's okay. Minus my titties. Minus um, my ass. My, my... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my various blankets that you'll see throughout oh, all the different clips though? i love that though. throughout okay. every episode and then me gazing off into the distance staring at my cats yeah i was gonna say I most of the time it's her looking at her cats and then i'll get sidetracked by her looking at her cats and so i'll look at the cats yeah but it's because cool. i am in love with my cats you love the cats they're I, so cute i love my cats love they're my pride and my joys i recommend if you are mentally unwell to buy a cat I recommend if you're minting unwell to don't do what I do, which is drink every day. Yeah. Okay, I made that sound really bad. I don't drink like crazy amounts, but I do drink a lot of wine. So <laughs> I just noticed you hit us with the Gucci glasses. <laughs> you know bitch. Yeah. Me and my Michael Kors could never. Shut up. We both have clear glasses. We both look so amazing. <laughs> my Michael Kors said, who is that? Girl, whatever. You look amazing. Like... Ugh. Okay, Brie is so amazingly pretty that it bugs Stop. me. Okay, but you no. know what? That's not what this show is about. No. It's fine. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing that. <laughs> I don't take compliments well, people. It's okay. We 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 get it. Lights can pose. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so it's super cold outside. Not super cold. Actually, it's actually warmer than it has been lately in the past month. Um, but it's super rainy, but you know what? I would rather it be raining rather than be snowing, so it's okay. I don't mind it that much. Which is a perfect segue into our um, topic today, speaking of snow. Um, we were actually going to do 
aliens this week for our 20th episode but last minute when i was researching about aliens in the corner i had seen this little topic about another topic that i was like huh what is this about so i clicked into it and i was like no this is definitely going to be our 20th episode this is really creepy this is really like a middle ground between uh like it's a good middle ground to me within like uh the realm of maybe not true crime yeah maybe i don't know could be could be i guess you guys can tell us yeah if you guys have conspiracies let us know because this is a really eerie uncomforting mysterious case i will say that so i'm really excited to share this one with you guys i did not do this via my um, notes on my laptop so i am reading off of my written notes today so if you hear page flipping i'm sorry but you know, we'll do the best we can. It's cool. Hey, if you want to hear about aliens, though, let us know. No, we will definitely cover aliens. Don't think that we won't. We will. I promise. <laughs> if you guys want it. If you guys want it, let us know. Um, you guys make a lot of the decisions, and you make no decisions for us whatsoever so far. <laughs> but that's so mean to say. It's not a bad thing, yeah, but it will help. What to do. It will help. It would definitely help to get some Give suggestions. Us feedback. Yeah. Because at the moment, we're kind of just going off of whatever you find, which is not a bad thing, but we want to hear what you guys think. If you guys have any cases that are really interesting, if you have any cases that are, you know, something that a lot of people haven't heard of, because I feel like we do a lot of cases that are very popular, let us know. We're always here to listen. We're always here to take notes. And yeah, so further ado, let's dive into this case. Wait, I wanted to add on, um, don't tell it to me verbally, though, because I will forget. Oh, send it. Oh, good point. Good point. You know what? No, she has a good point. (laughs) She has a great point, actually. Um, I have the brain the size of a peanut. No, I don't. Seriously, hallelujah, like preach, because you know what? Everyone comes up to me and whether it's like in person like i have friends or i don't know i just always have people verbally tell me hey do this story and i'm like forget because i don't write that shit down right away so definitely email us or you know dm us whatever you need to do send it somewhere send it somewhere for us we look everywhere we look in all of our inboxes we'll be looking for you nice (laughs) so Without further ado, let's dive into this case. And it is story time. I'm excited. Grab your spooky blankets and your cats. (laughs) Because it's story time, bitches. Because it's story time, motherfuckers. Sorry, I need a minute for my eyes to, like, adjust. I've been looking at the ring light. Yeah, guys, this ring light is so bright. (laughs) When I look away from the ring light, like, all I see is a circle. And I'm like, oh, shit, I can't see the notes. Just a minute. Let my eyes adjust. You can't look at the ring light. You have to look at at the the phone. Okay. Yeah, my dumbass will look at the sun and be like, what's going on? (laughs) I don't see the ring light anywhere, but I'm looking directly at the phone. Yeah, that does help. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, my dumbass. Focus okay. your eyes. But that light is blinding. It's bright. Oh, sure. I hope y'all can tell. That's for sure. I hope If you can't see my pores, it's not bright enough. <laughs> All right. So, without further ado, this is the chilling case of the Diet Love Pass mystery. No, this really is a mystery, guys. It Get is. Ready. It is. Definitely. Buckle your seatbelt. Strap in. Strap in. Because it, it may not be a long episode, but it will be a really interesting one. 
100%. It'll sit on your mind for a couple weeks. I assure you. All right. So this is a mysterious case of nine Russian student hikers that died in the northern Ural Mountains from odd and unknown circumstances between February 1st and February 2nd of 1959. These students have been found frozen to death in subpolar conditions without wearing any winter clothes and miles away from their tents that was also found completely shredded. Yet, the surrounding area showed no signs of natural disasters such as an avalanche or anything like that. The way some of these bodies have been discovered is very gruesome, by the way. So, like I said, it's a... <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery, yeah. And as we dive in deeper and deeper, I am telling you guys, researching this case, listening to documentaries, reading everything I could about this case, I don't know. I really don't know. Any way I look at it, I get stuck at some kind of, like, dead end. Because I think about, you know, maybe this was going to happen, or maybe this happened, or whatever. But you know what? We'll go over conspiracies. You guys can let us know what you guys think. And with that, let's just keep going. (laughs) So what is truly the hell tell about this case is that once found, it seems as if officials handling this case tried to hide evidence and deeming the student deaths accidental, quote unquote. Clearly, that's not the case. Ultimately, we find that there are so many different conspiracy theories for years that people theorize that this could be the doing of a handful of things. And like I said, we'll just cover the series at the end. So the story goes. In January 1959, group leader Igor Dietlov led an expedition of 10 young college students throughout the Ural Mountains to conduct research And what this basically was, was a university explorers club, kind of such, at the Ural um, Polytechnical University. Don't know a lot about explorers clubs, but it does sound fun. Don't know if I could do what they did, but (laughs) hey. I'm not cut out for like. I am not a climate climate person. I am not a nature type person. I don't, I wouldn't say I wouldn't go on a hike but i couldn't do it in below zero weather so you know what's <laughs> funny is i literally just had this conversation with someone with actually my coworkers. shout out hey guys um <laughs> about like being i guess outdoorsy and i always say how people would never picture me as an outdoorsy person which in theory i am not yeah Mm-mm. but if someone were to invite me or like whatever like i would go you would like go if my friends were to invite me or yeah. if simon really wanted to go like i would go we'll see the other just thing because i wouldn't want to miss out yeah the but, other thing too is that like and in, in terms of like this case being that what happens happens in a mountain yeah. range with like seriously like just freezing snow we live in we live in michigan already we know what <laughs> we know what snow is like i don't like it i don't either I you couldn't pay me enough money to go on a, a camping trip in the in the wilderness with snow. Like it's just not a thing. No, I would never like camp in the snow. I hate like well back to what I was saying, like I <clears throat> like would enjoy like camping or like going out. I do like when I'm out in nature, like yeah. I don't yeah. hate it, you know? But like never would I ever in snow. I hate being cold. I hate the snow. I don't even like rain. I'm with you, I sister. don't like being wet like like when it's like no. like swimming's fine yeah but like 
Well, rain, like, that's just, like, kind of, like, you're kind of wet. Like, yeah. you're damp. Ugh, I hate it. Either way, yeah. I would, for me personally, I would prefer the rain over snow. I can't do snow. Yeah, just I hate never, snow. I don't I know. Hate is it every Michigander? Don't know. Is it every no, Midwesterner? No, like the charm. Some people like I it. I don't. <laughs> I, the only, the only reason I would ever like the snow is to go skiing or snowboarding. No. I haven't even done that, so I can't even tell you what it's like. No, literally, but. no. All right. Ooh, sorry. Oh my god, it's got a little like. I've been having a headache all day. I don't know what that's about. Sorry, guys. Ooh, I don't know what's going on with me. Maybe it's the snow. All right. <laughs> so exploring mountains for these students was a hobby, and most of, if not all, were experienced hikers who knew the methods and techniques of hiking in dangerous climates. And the most experienced was the student Igor uh, Dietlov, um, who was also the group leader of this. Uh, ex- uh, ex- expedition this was a guy that knew nothing but hiking he specifically was skilled in survival techniques and again he led nine other students that trusted that he could lead very well so yasi was also a you know student but this man knew a lot about the history he knew a lot about how to get around the nature. He knew a lot about how to survive nature. He knew all these things about it. And I would suggest that that's something you would need to know if you're going to lead a, a pack of students. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. I would hope so. I would not yeah, want to so, go so, yeah. in the line with someone who, like, doesn't know. <laughs> that's like letting me, like, lead you throughout the woods. Don't do not do that. So. Yeah, don't follow. Listen, I am getting better at north, south, east, and west, though. Are you really? I don't know how to do that still. So. Really? Mm-mm. I'll have to yeah. teach you. You'll how. have to teach me how to do that because I fucking will get lost in the minute I walk into any kind of wooded area. My mom, well, like woods, I would have a hard time, but like if I'm in like a city, I can like figure it out. Oh, city? My mom's really good. I got that, that shit. Yeah. When I go to New York, I got that subway. Yeah. Like it's nothing. Like I can figure out the north, south, east, and west. But if I was in the woods, I think I'd have a hard time. No, we're done. I'm gone. Don't look for me. I'm probably gone. I'm it's done. Fine. So, so another student that had went on this expedition was Zena. I'm gonna try to pronounce her last name right. It's Kolo, uh, Kolo I think I said that right. Some speculate that Igor and Zena actually may have been involved with each other romantically, See? but other sources provide stronger evidence to insist that it may have just been Igor that was attracted to Zena, being that, you know. They hung out a lot. They were friends. They kind of knew each other. And the weird thing is that though Xena had more eyes for another guy that was a part of this trip. And his name was Yuri Doroshenko. So one thing about this case is that there are two Yuris. One thing I noticed about, um, I don't know if it's specifically like German kind of things, but um, I noticed that a lot of these people have the same names, like same last names or same first names. And there's two Yuri's in this, in this um, case. So if I say the last names, just know there's two different Yuri's going on. I don't want to confuse you guys at all or anything. But there was a guy named Yuri, Yuri Dor- uh, Doroshenko. Um, Yuri Doroshenko was the third member of the Diet Love Pass ex- uh, expedition. Yuri was kind of the eye candy type of guy. And he had this charming look to him. He was coming from a poor and, and very low-income household, so he was very humble. And one time, even on an expedition, managed to scare off a whole-ass bear to the point where the bear had ran off. 
And Xena was there during that expedition, so it kind of makes sense why you kind of like a guy who can fight off a bear. I mean, if I saw a man fight off a bear, I'd fall in love with him too. That is pretty impressive. That is impressive. I can't say that's something everyone can do. Simon, (laughs) are you going to fight off a bear for me? Simon, if you fight off a fucking bear, I'm marrying you too. Just saying. So Ludomila also goes by Luda. I kind of go by Luda instead. Was the first student on this excursion to the Ural Mountains. Again, very experienced in tourism. A very small girl with a lot of might. One time she had been accidentally shot in the leg by a hunter. And on a retreat, she had fought through that wound the rest of the trip. She is strong as hell. How did a hunter accidentally shoot a person? I don't even know that part. (laughs) I feel like that would be a little difficult. That is grounds for, you know, some hefty fines. But I can say that my girl, girl, uh, Luida, she she made it through. She a bad bitch. She a bad bitch. (laughs) She need to go be friends with Miss Maria from last episode. Let me tell you, these women, these women do it for me. All I'm saying is... (laughs) I love it. So then that takes us to the next student, who is a fifth student. His name was Rustam Salabadan. Yeah. Okay, we're going to keep going. I would hope. (laughs) So Rustam had um, been the most athletic in the group of nine. He mostly spent any spare time outside of his studies training for the harsh climates and just travels in general. So he was very knowledgeable about how to stay, you know, alive. And the whole point of me even telling you the reasons is because when we get closer and closer into the reasons that they were found... It's going to it's going to be strange cuz these people are again students that know how to survive the wilderness and the yeah, fact like that they they're found the way they were they have training experience. Yeah. You don't just go out to a mountain climb and not climb but like a mountain hike not knowing what to do. It's one of those things you just need to know how to do if you're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, and they knew how to do it. Like they had done everything it before. They, yeah, they for years. learned things, they knew things like Yeah, definitely. They they were experienced. So that brings us to Sasha Kolovatova. Um, he was the sixth student of the group, and he was pretty reserved and to himself, but was always a huge contributor to his group. And then we have the seventh and the oldest, which was 37-year-old Simon um, Zolotorgov. Sim, uh, Sim, Simeon? These are such hard names. I'm so sorry. Semyon. 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 Okay, I got it. <clears throat> then we have the seventh and the oldest of the group, which was 37 year old Simon Zolagrov. And Simon was the old, kind of odd man out of the group. He hadn't known any of the other students prior to their expeditions. So, what? Sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. So what are the ages of all of them? So we have. So they're all in their young twenties. Like they're all except the only one that isn't is Simeon. He is thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. Yeah. So he's a student still at this college. Okay. Um, and pretty much it's like any college you go to. There's various ranges of ages, but the thing about all these people actually that we're going on this expedition was that they're all friends. Yeah, and then so he's just kind of random. He was the on and okay. out. Yeah. So it was kind of weird at first because he hadn't known anybody. He was kind of 
there and he really wanted to go on this expedition for extra credit so he actually had joined this group a couple weeks before and he was like hey you know can i come on this expedition with you guys i know what to do they're like yeah why not they need 10 members so they were like come along and he was like cool so they brought him in and they actually all got along pretty well they all just became friends right away um you will see pictures and i might say this again not to be repetitive, but um, there are so many pictures throughout this expedition that the group took. And it's just so chilling to look at because you look at these pictures knowing that something very, very bad happens only days before these pictures have been taken. I mean, days after these pictures were taken. So <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a very chilling just scene just to look at. And they all look so happy throughout it too. And again, Igor was the leader of what would be a truly awful expedition, and he lived and breathed tourism. Although Simon had been a soldier in the World War II, so if the unlikely time came, he knew enough about protecting himself and also stayed and staying alive in harsh conditions. That's something you will also know as a soldier. I, you know. <laughs> and so although no one in the group really knew him at first like i said they accepted him like they're like he was family so it was really nice for that reason then we have nikolai i tried he had been the youngest but carried himself to be more the serious and mature one in the group um he was closest to simon who was a 37 year old and according to their diaries, or the group's diary that was later found, they just really became good friends for the most part. And it's just so sad because you look at, again, you look at these pictures, we'll post it on our Instagram, and it's just, uh, it just breaks your heart because they all look happy and they all look so innocent. And it's like, damn, uh, it's just, it gets you. It really does. And finally, Yuri, shit, this is really hard. Krivon Eskiko. <laughs> I really try to sound that one out. Um, Yuri was another one. He was the other Yuri in this group. He, at the time, was 30, uh, 23 years old and was the most comedic out of the bunch. Um, his numerous side even almost got their trip to the Ural Mountains canceled, actually. When the group had actually been waiting for their next train, Yuri had asked uh, Lida for some cash to get coffee um, from the cafe since Loida held all the money for the trip, um, he's, that's the reason he asked. And she ironically just told him no. Don't know why, but she did. And so he literally just grabs a cup and just starts walking around the station with a cup and just he starts singing for change. And so as wholesome, as cute as this is, the police caught him doing this and Man. attempted to arrest him for doing it. Uh, yeah, panhandling. For duplicity or double de- dealing, I guess. But... You see this happening, and so the the group kind of goes out their way to kind of like kind of defend him in Yuri's defense. So these officers and college kids are just having an altercation in the middle of a train station, and have in mind this is a very heroic and brave action because around this time in the Soviet Union, police forces were not forces to be messed with at all. So eventually, the police officers let him and the group off with a warning. And they'd be able to carry on with their course to the mountains where we know something eventually 
nothing good really happens out of that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Something really messed up. Yeah. Well, now I did list nine members of this group, but there is a 10th member. And I did say that at the beginning. His name was, and I lied, there's three Yuri's. <laughs> there's three Yuri's in the story. Now you forgetting about the third Yuri. I forgot about the third Yuri. There's a Yuri Yildin. From what sources had to say about Yuri Yodin was that he was probably the most kind-hearted, gentle, modest person of the group, actually. And just looking at the photos of this guy tells it all. He had very kind eyes and gentle, a gentle smile, and you could just want to be his friend. He was just so sweet looking, and uh, it's just... <sighs> so as the 10 hikers had eventually went from the train to a truck, several of the students, including Yuri Yodin, sat in the bed of the truck, and already Yuri Yodin had suffered from radicalitis, which is a disease of the root of a nerve. So already knowing it could potentially be a problem during the trip, he just tried to brush it off, but the carrying of just heavy equipment throughout it did not help at all. Once again, because it is relevant to the story, when you go and you hike up a side of a mountain below zero weather, you'll need layers. <laughs> oh yeah, no kidding. It's gonna choosing not to is gonna it's gonna cause frostbite. It's gonna cause hypothermia. That little Canadian goose ain't gonna do much for you. It's really not. Uh, it's really not. No, no not at all. Freezing temperatures. You better layer that up. You layer it. Yes. Some long johns. Some long johns. Three long pairs socks. of long johns. One pair of pants. Uh, five pairs of jackets. Five socks. Because let me tell you, the minute your pinky toes start hurting. It's gone. It's over. It's, Hypothermia. It's over. It's, it's over. gotcha. Over. <laughs> so maybe after an hour or two later of driving to the central point to start hiking, the snow really got more dense and harder to get through. And they are just trying to really not get stuck into the snow. Um, the roads were just barely paved. And they even really helped some guys pass by that were stuck in the truck and stuck in the pile of snow themselves with their truck so that was just so nice of them to do in the first place i would like to add yeah. to this i mean this is a lot worse than let's say michigan weather but for all the people who don't deal with snow driving in snow is literally so oh like it's terrible it can be very difficult and it can be very scary so imagine for the michiganders out there for all of our friends and family listening imagine michigan but like on crack yeah, with that's the snow. pretty much what this is. Yeah, you're right on point there. I can't imagine having to go through the Ural Mountains with a truck, unless any kind of car, or myself. Can't imagine a little. Yeah, can imagine. I get scared just driving alone here. So the fact that they have that going on, truly terrifying. And like I had said, they were nice enough to help a group of guys that were stuck themselves. And oh, it's just so, it's just so innocent. Oh, I love it. The 10 group members temporarily stopped at a log cabin site called Settlement 41, which is a kind of like a rest stop for hikers. And the men that had worked on this property expected their arrival, so they helped them settle in and everything. Unfortunately, this will probably be the last time that anyone would see this group alive. The next day, the 10 students woke up and left their truck to travel to the next cabin settlement on foot. This next stretch of trail had taken them literally seven hours to ski hike through. Seven hours of ski hiking. That's like a whole shift. 
Oh my god, yeah, it really is. Through the snow, through the tundra. And, okay, so let's imagine that. Now let's imagine trying to walk through snow. Now times that by the skis. So now you're carrying a little weight yeah, on your feet. that is true. Now and the bags and the stuff you're that carrying. by the shit you're carrying. Now times that through dense snow. Ooh. Like, you're not walking, like, just, you know, on a little bit of snow. No. Like, you're, like... You're trucking through that shit. So not only, like, no wonder it took seven hours because you can't walk through it fast. That's such a good point. Like, there's no way you can walk through that fast. Like, you were, like, out in these trenches. Yeah. See, this is is why you're my my co-host here. (laughs) You're so funny. (laughs) You're so smart. I'll be bringing up the good points. You'll be bringing up those facts. I'm like, damn, she's right. I don't even think about that kind of stuff. And the commentary. You're so funny. (laughs) Love. LOL. LOL. Love. (laughs) Love. All right. So, like I said, yeah, uh, the uh, 10 students had woke up. They left their truck to travel through this tundra for seven hours on skis and now (laughs) literally now the cabin settlement they had reached after the first one they had initially went to was not like the same thing this next little cabin structure that they ran into was literally right out the movie wrong turn or something because it was terrifying the cabins were abandoned for seven years prior and it had been forced labor camps for criminals and when the students reached it, it was a very rundown set of cabins, and it just sat fro- frozen just for years. Wait, go back for labor camps? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for seven years prior, it had been just abandoned like that too. So, like I said, something out of a horror movie. Just yeah, no kidding. Insanely creepy. And most of the cabins were completely damaged, so they had to end up burying with one that was still intact. But this is when Yuri Yeldon really started to, to getting a pain in his leg from the uh, radiculitis I had talked about earlier. And so his psych- uh, psychotic, is it psychotic nerve, um, had became inflamed. So he was very heartbroken because he couldn't go on with the rest of the group. And so the rest of the group and him had ended up having to find a first aid post that they had traveled past a couple of days back and just ended up dropping them off. And Yuri had said his goodbyes, excited to see the photos when they would return. And Yuri would later find out that he'd be the only one that would return from this expedition alive. So, <sighs> It's truly heartbreaking. I don't remember that there was a survivor. Yeah, there was like, one survivor. Like, I know this case, but I feel like I never actually, like, really researched into it. And I yeah. actually didn't know that there was one survivor. Yeah, there was. Imagine. Imagine being, like... So... Because of your, your, you know, your dysfunctionalities. I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> Is that a good term? That's so bad. Um, I guess because of, you know, something that's going on with you you know, medical-wise, keeps you from going on this trip you really want to go to, I'll grow on at least, and it saves your life. <laughs> like... Wait, he didn't go? Mm-mm. Oh. So he wasn't... So he was there on the expedition, but when I got into a certain point, because of his, like... Oh, he turned around. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. I was, like, blanking for a second. No, okay. it's okay. It's okay, right. okay, okay. I see. So he, like, got to a certain point and then left. So he yeah. has no idea what happened. Okay, so that doesn't really count. Like, yes, he survived. Yeah. 
but he didn't actually survive. He didn't actually like, get to the point that we, yeah, that they like, got to. There was no survival. He just left before yeah. anything happened, yeah. right? Due to his okay. radicalitis. Yeah. So. Good for him. I'm glad he was living to tell um, the story. Cause... Listen, I would not wish a medical condition on anybody, but. Who knew it could He's help He's probably happy he had yeah. that medical condition, For that right? specific thing, yeah. And, I mean, for the moment, yeah, it did suck because I know he really wanted to be there with his friends. Because, again, these are all friends. They are all they all know each other for the most part. And so, obviously, for your friend to not be able to join you on a trip for the rest of the way and have to turn around. But if it wasn't for Yuri having this radicalitis, he definitely would have not survived. So No. Yeah. There's no way that he would have. Yeah, he might have saved them or could have saved them. But, Maybe. like... The way they were found... Uh, yeah, like, we need to get to that point so yeah. you guys can, yeah, like, yeah. know what we're talking about right now. So now there are nine members of the group, and they continue to ski up the hike after dropping Yuri off. They had gotten to a river called River Lozva around 5.30 p.m., and the group just decides to set up camp, finally using the tents that they have brought. Side note real quick, um, Igor, the one leading the group, bought a camera... And there were two others. I can't remember who, but there are two other members that had ended up bringing cameras with them. And like I had said before, these these students took so many pictures that we'll post definitely on our Instagram and all. But keep that in mind because it kind of comes back a little later with these conspiracies. So just keep that in mind. Anywho, Lita had documented in the group's diary how they'd stopped to set up camp have dinner, make a fire, and just sing songs and tell stories to each other, which is, again, so freaking wholesome. Can we talk about how she has a group diary? That's so cute. I know. It was like a group diary, too, so they all like made notes in it oh, okay. um, throughout the trip. So I think it would be like, if it, if it was, let's say specifically uh, Lida, who um, wanted to say something, she would put her name Lida, and then they would put the date and then they would put yeah, what they were and doing and they would do like a yeah. little excerpt yeah a little excerpt type, yeah type thing and um this was also found later on which it's so good that they like doc well i mean not that it did much i feel like for the investigation yeah. and stuff but, but it, it definitely helped that they make for this documented and had a lot of pictures and stuff and it's yeah good that they like left something behind i guess definitely definitely maybe for the family it's probably good have to have something at least to know what led up to it and definitely maybe yeah. even helped to even get to the certain point that that maybe investigators got to yeah and just have so. a piece of them too like all the last smiling pictures and stuff yeah sure. definitely definitely january 30th now miles and miles away from any civilization igor documents that the temps have only grew worse and the group continues to stop set up camp and rest but this documentation would be the last journal entry in that diary. Oh, no. Yeah. So based on the found evidence, they stashed any, and this is kind of smart, they stashed some food in the snow along the trail at, like, bigger trees or trees that kind of look weird or anything like that. So it would take some of the weight off of their shoulders, but they would also have food when they would come back down the mountain. So that's a smart idea. Wouldn't think about that. Only a mile and a half into their journey, the group had to set up camp because it was so hard to walk through the snow and the blizzard that had started that they just couldn't go any further that day. So from the evening of January 30th to February 2nd, 
would remain uncounted for. Ooh. So the group had been initially scheduled to return to Yida Yerniburg to school on February 12th. And keep in mind, they were not heard from after um, initially leaving in January. So this is like weeks later that they were supposed to be home. But no one was super alarmed when they didn't return right away because the families of this group were, uh, they knew that, you know, sometimes things get delayed when it comes to like tracking through snow when you're going up a mountain, things like that. You know, you don't always come back right away or right on time like you're supposed to. Yeah, a lot and of things go wrong. A lot of things go wrong. and Like look, unplanned for. Yeah. yeah, and look at the time, the time period. Like you're not going to have phones. We're in to the just, 50s, right? Yeah, you're not going to have that. You're not, you're not going to have a phone that just be that, you know, hey, mom, I'm going to be late. Also, you know? I don't know if it would work in the mountains. No, it would not. Nah, yeah, I was like, I work. feel like reception in the mountains would be kind of spotty. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> any. You know, maybe. Verizon, what do you think? Yeah, maybe Verizon. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't an ad, by the way. Um, <laughs> not sponsored. Not sponsored. So like we said, there were group delays um, and... Days started to turn into weeks. People did start to get worried. And the first person to really reach out to anyone was Sasha. Uh, Sasha's sister, um, who had came forward to the university and Explorers Club. And she was just saying, you know, hey, I haven't heard from my little brother. Is there, you know, is he around? Is he back safely? Things like that. The school was like, we haven't heard from them. So... That's when the panic begins and starts to break out. On February 24th, a week and a half after the group should have been returned from home, the first team of a search and rescue was sent to look for this group of people via helicopter. Though finding these students would not be an easy task because no one had specific coordinates of where the group would be in this gigantic mountain of snow. The search parties consisted of other students, a part of the University Ex- uh, Explorers Club, military officials, and professional mountain hikers. But it still just took days and days before they would find the first clue. On February 26th, student searchers passing by had spotted a damaged tent partially covered in snow. The tent had been noticeably ripped open with a knife from the inside out, as if someone had tried to escape from it. Not far from the tent was a flashlight sitting on top of the snow. So the tent was covered in snow, but the flashlight they had found was seen sitting right on top of the snow. As if it was recently dropped. This is on topic, but off topic. I wonder how they can tell how the tent was cut from the inside instead of the outside. I wonder. I think it was. Okay, don't take my word for this because I don't know. But I think based on in just this case alone, um, I think when they had taken the later on, they taken the tent and they were like looking at it for any signs of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they could tell because Part of the fibers, maybe the fibers were out versus in, if uh, you know what I mean. So they kind of folded out, like as if someone was cutting from the that outside. So yeah, they could tell that it looked like someone was trying to escape out of the tent, and it's weird because, again, I said it in the beginning, and I'm gonna say it again, no one confronted anyone about there being an avalanche. Like no one said anything about there being an avalanche when they looked at the scene. No one said anything about there being any kind of, like, big, you know, 
things that could, you know, kill a person, obviously, other than the blizzard. But again, when we get to that part, it's going to be a little weird because even in a blizzard, you probably would get frostbite. You would probably get hypothermia. You would freeze. They weren't found just like that. So it's weird. And it also makes you wonder, like, why would someone use a knife to cut out of a tent if they have stuck in there yeah if if they're stuck in there or something like they have they have the zipper to get out why did they use that instead of yeah yeah you know you know fair question inside the torn tent were found food supplies and bags unfolded blankets and under the blankets were their quilted jackets storm jackets boots and other winter clothes weird again you would need that kind of thing if you're going to be in the tundra yeah like to wear it not off of your body even no. to sleep like you would need that you would stuff. need that to stay warm your body maybe not gonna... the shoes but i could I'd see still maybe wear the damn shoes. you would need the shoes on or something but just seeing how you look at it i mean if you're someone that likes to do this for a living and you go out camping in the, in, the, in the blizzard, in the snow, and you do mountain climbing stuff. If you know this kind of stuff, let us know. It's interesting. I would probably sleep with my clothes on. Just I saying. would too. And I'd it's weird that they find on. all of everyone's stuff like oh. just under the covers like yeah. that. So, so the search parties decide to stay in that area to hopefully still find at least at least one of the nine students out there. The next day, a search group finds another clue. About 20 miles away from where their tent was found, these searchers find footprints in the snow. Not shoe prints, footprints. The footprints tracks were found next to each other in pairs, so it's as if people were walking side by side to each other. And the evidence has shown that these prints didn't show any sign of running. So it literally was as if they were just walking through the snow barefoot. So it basically looked like these people were walking barefoot together from the campsite, and then the tracks spread apart, going in different directions. Miles down the slope from this tent, searchers found the frozen bodies of Yuri Doryshenko and Yuri Krivyshenko. Their bodies were found laying under a cedar tree one mile away from their tent. The two were found half-naked, wearing nothing but their checkered shirts and torn underwear. A thousand feet away from that tree... Another search party finds the cold, frozen body of a team member, Igor Dietlov. He was fully clothed, only wearing light clothes, actually, no jacket, under a birch tree wearing no shoes. His body was facing the tent, indicating that he anticipated to return to the tent. Now, beware, don't suggest it, but there are pictures online if you so are intrigued to look at those i am not a huge fan of looking at dead corpses but the mini look it up it's there <laughs> it's all over the internet um and it's pretty gruesome so just forewarning 350 meters further uphill was the body of Zina komagrov the one that igor really liked by the way and had eyes for yuri so that's that that person see um, Zena was found buried in snow, laying sideways in the fetal position, which is kind of, I mean, makes sense if you're kind of trying to keep warm through, but do that in the mm-hmm. fetal position. She was not wearing shoes, a jacket, or gloves at all. So this is another person not wearing shoes, doesn't have a jacket on. It's weird. 
So sadly, because of the harsh temps and how deep the snow was, the search party couldn't really look for any others. But then on March 5th, searchers recover the body of Rustam Sullivan. His body was fa- uh, his body was face down in the snow, facing the tent, indicating he tried to also return to the campsite. Five of the nine bodies were found and sent to the autopsy professional, and the final four were the hardest and probably the scariest to encounter. So before moving on to the next set of hikers, between the period of finding the first five students and the last four students, an autopsy for the first five was concluded. All five of these students suffered from various cuts and bruises. There was bruising, cuts, and abrasions to the nose, cheeks, eyebrows, knuckles, and back of the hands. And all five had similar cuts to themselves. So again, they were found in different places, but all found the similar cuts. The final autopsy deemed the cause of death being hypothermia. So questionable. Professionals of this mountain was our part of the search and were adamant that there was no sign of an avalanche, like I had said. So later, their skis were also found sitting upright. I'm talking about the students. And so when I say upright, they're just sitting in the snow. And so you can obviously tell by an avalanche, if an avalanche had come down, their skis would not be there sitting Mm -hmm. upright the way they were. So that was one hint that this was not the due or cause of an avalanche. And the second thing was that there was no sign of debris or anything anywhere. So another kind of weird coincidence. And it's weird because, again, you'll see in the minute that the government had deemed it maybe to be an avalanche or something of the sorts. So three months go by because the search teams had to wait to find anything else till the snow started to melt. A Mansi native, which Mansi tribes also were residing in the lower mountains, um, they're very known to be in this area, was walking his dog fairly close to where the searchers found the two Yuris under the cedar tree. He spotted cut up clothing remains and soon after the search was back on. Search groups dig through the snow in various areas when one group stumbles upon the body of Luda uh, Domina. Her body was laying in a small ravine when they had found her. Later on, in the same area, they find the remaining bodies of Simeon, Nikolai, and Alexander. What's really weird is in Simeon's frosted hands, they have found a notebook just clenched in his hands. And when one of the searchers had pulled it out of his hands and looked through it, it was just blank and it was missing pages. Isn't that weird? Like... Weird, right? Weird that he would be clenching out of something that's blank. Blank with ripped pages. Also weird that there's blank page or blank pages, but it's also weird that there's missing ripped out pages and like the fact that he's clutching onto it. Yeah. In his final moments, you would think it'd be something, something important. Something there. Or something there. That but, gives me chills. Like nothing. But like, then why again, were pages let's ripped out of think it? about if pages were torn out after. How would they? Have no, yeah. Get it out of How would they get it out? his grasp. But, I mean, maybe That's the so searchers bizarre. had an easy time getting it out of his grasp and placing it back. Yeah. Huh. Knows. Fishy. Very fishy. Definitely weird. So, Nikolai's body was found dressed, but had suffered from a heavy blow to his head. As if something had been hit, like he got hit in the head with something. Alexander was also reasonably dressed, but... An autopsy had shown a undetermined wound that was behind his right ear. 
a misplaced neck, and Simone, the oldest of the crew, was found with ski pants and an underlayer shirt with a partially unbuttoned jacket and boots, though it appeared he suffered from a heavy blow to his chest, leaving fractured ribs, but no sign of what it may have been that would be that heavy to cave in his chest. So it's weird. It's, again, crazy to think that something could cave in someone's chest, but no sign of what could have done it. Even if he did find a body, there was no rock that they had found, nothing like that. But something had caved in his chest, and something had damaged, like severely damaged um, Nikolai's body. So, uh, Nikolai's head. I'm I sorry. feel like so. I have a few. Well, I'm going to wait until we get to the conspiracies, but I feel like I have a few theories, some of which we've already debunked in mm-hmm. the thing. But, like, can we really debunk it? Researchers today can even piece it together and it's still crazy to think that not even the most biggest professionals in the world can figure out what happened to this case so i don't know like, it's just I'm, so weird and i'm thinking too like i mean this case happened in like the 50s too so we have to keep that in mind with the technology and yeah the good point. i mean manpower just everything like i mean and even like experience and like stuff like that too i feel like you can't rule out you can't rule out anything honestly i feel like i don't know especially in the 50s like i feel like everything they debunked or everything like maybe it's just overthinking it i think it could be i mean that's a good what else would this stuff anyway no no that's a really good point oh we'll see if it's part of your conspiracy okay but well sorry to say it and sorry to do it to y'all but Lita had one of the worst discoveries. Lita was found wearing ski pants that were badly damaged by fire. And she was found wearing two sweaters and no jacket or boots. One foot was covered and wrapped in a sweater, assumingly she had tried to keep her feet warm. Searchers initially found her body face down in a stream of melting snow. When the rescue team attempted to recover her body, they noticed something very terrifying. Her eyes are missing. And with that being said, we are going to end episode 20 right here. I am so sorry for that, but we did not realize that episode 20 was going to be so long. So if you'd like to hear episode 21, you can stick with us till next week when the light goes out.